Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 40 of season one of this osteopathic life. This will likely be the final episode of season one, and I'd like to thank you all for taking the time to listen today and throughout the course of the year, and to join me today on a bit of a recap on all that's transpired in this first year of the podcast and the movement into more activity with this osteopathic life, to look at where things might go in the future, and to celebrate the successes, recognize the challenges, and explore opportunity for growth and progress. So when I set out on this podcast on the 1st of February, 2019, my hope was to have a weekly podcast. And to that end, this would have been episode 52. It's episode 40. So I was about a week per month short. And overall, I think that's fairly reasonable. To be perfectly honest, it makes me want to record one more episode because if I were 11 episodes short, as I've shared with you previously, my numeric obsession uh, would be more satisfied there. But losing one week per month is also a pattern I can accept and a goal from which to move forward next year to get closer to that weekly podcast recording quota. I think one message to take from that is that adapting to the done, being better than perfect model has helped in a number of cases and could be utilized more efficiently in those times when perhaps I didn't have the idea quite formulated, but if I set aside a little bit of time, investigated and researched as has been successful for me with episodes that have gone to recording and production, I could more efficiently create the episodes on that weekly basis. I've really enjoyed the opportunity to see where the topic of an episode can go. As I've shared with you a number of times, I might think of something and in the course of investigating it, looking up articles and talking with people and putting it through the lens of the events of the week and tying it back specifically into the osteopathic tenets and philosophy and practice principles, ideas evolve and what transpires might not be exactly what I envisioned at the start and often in a positive way, you know, takes it to a new level or deepens my understanding and experience or completely opens a new area for me to explore and gain and see 
the opportunity for health and the opportunity for utilization of osteopathic principles in a way I didn't even expect. And so that's something I hope to embrace going forward into this new year as well. As I think about where the podcast began, I actually have to track back even further, back to the fall of 2016. And I believe I've shared with you the live event I hosted under this name of This Osteopathic Life shortly after, within the first year after moving from Michigan to Oregon the first time. And I went back and pulled up that original invitation thread that I sent out to my colleagues and the brochure for that event. And I remember receiving lots of positive feedback, but also some that suggested perhaps I was being too dramatic, too fatalistic in my reasoning behind launching the event at that time. And I read my own words from that invitation that said, in a time of tremendous change, the future of osteopathy stands on a precipice and can either soar to enhancement or fall into extinction. By gathering the passionate in practice, experienced in education, and tenacious in training, we optimize the possibility for expansion of outreach. And I see those words and I hear those words and I can appreciate that some might have thought them to be dramatic and to put that into context and timeline in October of 2016 the osteopathic world was one year into the movement toward the single accreditation system for postgraduate training that was set to be complete in June of 2020 and now we are in January of 2020 and that has moved forward and this process of moving all postgraduate programming, so residency training, so for graduates of all medical schools, MD and DO in the United States, will all go to programs that are governed by the ACGME or the MD or the allopathic leadership and management and accreditation teams. And as I sit here today, midway through my year as an osteopathic health policy fellow coming off an afternoon of discussion specifically about this topic, I would say the sentiments in that invitation I wrote still ring true. And yes, it still remains to be seen. You know, we are only officially entering into this phase of the merging of the systems, if you will. But the process to get there has shown you know, loss of programs and questions on identity and you know, a bit of a crisis mode. So while I think perhaps the words may have been seen as dramatic, I think there's a place for a bit of urgency and hopefully not too late for that to band together to see and speak more clearly osteopathic values and philosophy and principles and practice and to see where the opportunities lie for the expansion of them. And that 
is truly what led to the launch of the podcast and the website and some of the more tangible experiences of this osteopathic life. And I have to also pause here and remember that the first episode included a tribute to one of my mentors, Dr. Richard G. Huff, and we are nearing the anniversary of his passing three days from today, January 28th. And I went back and reflected on a presentation I'd prepared during my time working in the hospital system with him and reflecting on his many decades of service and looking at the house that Huff built, as I entitled it at that time, and going through the accomplishments and the thoughts and you know what it looked like to practice osteopathic medicine over the course of so many decades and topics then, and that were documented in 2002, talking about the necessity of maintaining and expressing and owning our differences and distinctness in a positive way and showing how that benefits patients and appreciating how this thread has been woven through my training and my experience and understanding of osteopathic medicine and how I hope through this osteopathic life to continue to sew that thread and to weave it in new ways and into new tapestries beyond some of these narrower circles of my osteopathic colleagues and to step beyond and see how much bigger and broader we can extend those concepts. So with great gratitude and honoring of that tradition and legacy that was begun in my experience with Dr. Huff and for many who trained with him and carrying that through stronger yet this one year on from our loss of him in our lives, recognizing that his hard work certainly endures and we hope for many, many years to come. So those are two pieces I think that are important to think about the background that led to the launch of this osteopathic life and that will help move the trajectory forward. And I'll reference, if I haven't here, I can't recall particularly if it was in the podcast or in a blog, that concept of knowing where you're going by knowing where you've been and understanding our history and background personally and on a broader scale so we can help shift and move that arrow truly in the direction where we'd like to go. And I'll put a link to that song from Hairspray, the play. And I hope it could be linked from the cast from the Oregon Shakespeare Festival in Ashland because I will say the power of the musicians and the singers and the actors there. Truly amazing. A few tangents, but bear with me as I bring it back around to all of what has been going on during the course of this year since that first episode was recorded. And I recall shortly thereafter being sick for an interval of time and actually that opportunity, I'll say, to be 
stuck in bed for a few days actually deepened some sense of purpose and creativity and vision. And I am learning how to better be grateful for all of these events as they transpire, even when unexpected, as they contribute to the overall experience. Since February of last year, I'll give a recap of some of the, say, highlights and lowlights, ups and downs, or just steps on the path of this 365-day trajectory. So we've relocated our family back again from Michigan to Oregon. And for a while, I was working a week a month, continuing my work back in Michigan as my family was in Oregon, and I resumed my private practice there. And also throughout the course of that time, I traveled to Florida, spending time with a friend and with the wife of my mentor and connecting in that way. I traveled to California and spent time with the CrossFit Physicians Movement and looking at impacts on health from that perspective. I was able to spend time in Virginia at a fiddle camp with my son and niece and then began the journey through my participation in the Osteopathic Health Policy Fellowship to Maryland, Ohio, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., and now here in Arizona, exploring various colleges of osteopathic medicine, meeting with leaders in different capacities, and seeing health through a very different lens, and also seeing how there is a call and a need and a place for the application of osteopathic philosophy, tenets, means of practice in a broader way than perhaps just the one-on-one patient encounter and outside, again, these smaller circles of osteopathic physicians, residents, students. In a different vein, I witnessed the entire season of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival with my oldest son, 11 plays, one of which was Hairspray, which I mentioned earlier, and I'll put a link to that there, which was a great accomplishment. It was an amazing experience to see all of the varied messages and power of theater to convey the cultural issues that we're facing now that have been part of our past. And again, illustrating that the opportunities to experience and nurture health go far beyond the clinical encounter and into that artistic realm as well. I resumed ownership of a CrossFit affiliate, which has long been a testing ground for me for the idea of a community wellness center and seeing some of these aspects of osteopathic practice implemented in a most unexpected way. The name of my affiliate is CrossFit Inconceivable, very intentionally, named yes for the Princess Bride, and also for allowing there to be a broader definition of what you might experience CrossFit to be. You know, It might not mean what you think it means, and there's opportunity to craft it as you need it for your own health, fitness, and well-being. I wrote and performed for a storytelling event, and I happen to have a link for that. There's both a podcast link and if you'd like to watch the video, which was certainly outside the realm of my normal activities of participation, uh, but I really 
appreciated it and found a way to use my written words in a different style and to step outside my comfort zone and deliver them on stage. And most recently, I've been coaching a middle school brain bowl team, which I'll admit has been a dream of mine for a long time. So I'm happy to be able to realize that in conjunction with my oldest son. I've had the opportunity to present lectures on expanding the osteopathic concept at specialty and at statewide conferences that have led into further invitations going forward. I found my way back to regular physical activity. So when this season began, I was very early in the recovery stages from a significant abdominal tear and had been challenged to re-identify myself in my relationship to health through fitness, health through activity, mental health management through movement, and learn some new skills and also learn how to practice gratitude more effectively for when I could participate in those activities, which do bring me joy and mental clarity and satisfaction in being able to utilize my body in a positive and strong way. I also, to balance that, have adopted and adapted a meditation practice, which I'm now nearly two months in and have been consistent with that. I also began a gratitude journal on the same day as the first day of the podcast and kept that every day for 10 months till the pages of the book ran out and then transitioned that into incorporate into the meditation practice. And probably extending a little bit before the start of the podcast, but over the course of the year in 2019, I neared my goal again of reading and either listened to or read more than 40 books. I don't have the exact number in front of me at the moment. And amidst this, I played music with my children and chaperone field trips, baked cookies. We learned how to make tortillas. We snuggled on the couch I think it's a Buddy the Elf list there. And I'd say those are the highlights, and some expected and some unexpected. And there were certainly plenty of difficulties in the year. As I mentioned, I had opportunities to speak and share these concepts in various audiences. I also had many rejected. I cast a lot of nets last year, and many came up empty. I saw kind of the unexpected end of what I thought was my dream job. You know, it looked great on paper and there were many positive things that happened, but it just wasn't meant to be, wasn't the right time. And in the course of much of that, suffered a lot of emotional upheaval and difficulty and challenges. And I'm still working my way through those in those Skills I noted above, resuming the physical activity and the meditation practice are helping with those, but it's a regular practice and recurring challenges that come up. And I live in two worlds. So I have my house set up in Michigan with all of our personal belongings, and I live the majority of time in Oregon in a rented house with kind of a piecemeal hodgepodge of furniture and supplies And admittedly, it's confusing. It's confusing for me. It's confusing for my children, especially my youngest, who isn't 100% sure where we live or how it is. And I try to view it as 
learning flexibility and to be adaptable. But a lot of times it's just plain hard and there's no other way around it. I propose to keep a daily blog on starting Osteopathic Health Policy Fellowship and have not done that in any way, shape, or form. Even on this trip now, at least keeping it in these micro regions when I'm live on site hasn't come to fruition. And examining that is something I'll need to do because I identify with myself as being a writer, but that seems to be one of the first things to go if I look at commitments. And so examining what the hangup is there remains. I also I call it a promise or a potential outset at the start of the podcast was that there would be the book of this osteopathic life in one year, and perhaps an unrealistic promise, but it certainly has not gone anywhere close to getting finished. And so I'll need to reevaluate that and again, look at what it takes to make that happen, whether it's how it's prioritized or what time needs to be spent there. And I've certainly spent way more time on my phone than seems healthy. And I think about that and I can justify a lot of it right now. I'm using my phone to record this podcast and I use it for communication and management of the gym and reading articles and listening to some of those audiobooks as I mentioned. So there's certainly productive and positive ways that it's utilized, but there are others that are not and that become a distraction and eat up some of the time that certainly could be spent writing or just relaxing, right? That's a big and busy list of things that happened in the past year. And there's an article that came up that screen time is like the new secondhand smoke. And that struck me on a very personal level. My father died from lung cancer, secondary to smoking, And while I wasn't exposed for a significant duration of my childhood, there's certainly that element of aversion to cigarette smoke. And seeing the use of the phone, you know, verbalized in that way and witnessing, you know, my children are relatively screen free as part of their school philosophy. We adopt that at home for the most part. But I can see where, again, my youngest wants to send messages or look at the phone because she sees me doing that. And that's what I'm modeling And so looking at what influence I'm having on the health for myself and for my children in that way is something certainly to work on. So a number of successes, a number of failures, many challenges, lots of opportunities, dead ends that led to blazing new trails, reopening of doors that seemed like they might have been shut forever. It's been a big process of testing, adjusting, retesting, and learning to be open to the feedback, even when it's not necessarily what you might expect or hope to receive, learning to recognize what's too much, and through it all, holding on to that thread of health and recognizing the opportunity for the lens of health to be applied in so many different situations and for health to be expressed in different ways for different people and for myself at different times and phases. So a few things as we move toward the conclusion of this recap was 
looking at the premise of this osteopathic life, and there are two statements if you visit the website. One is the mission statement on the homepage, which says, expanding the understanding and application of osteopathic philosophy to serve as guiding principles for a cultural revolution grounded in love and humanity. So if I think back to that invitation for my live event back in 2016, which looked a lot at how are we going to save osteopathic medicine? And that may still be a component of this. You know, I'm still very passionate and feel very strongly about the value and merit and worthiness of osteopathic medicine to be preserved and promoted. And that's a piece of this. You know, on the page of programs of this osteopathic life, there are, I'd say, two of the three are quite focused in that realm by supporting the people who are practicing osteopathic medicine, the students, the residents, and the attending physicians. But it's also bigger than that, right? It's about expanding the concepts for a cultural revolution grounded in love and humanity. And that we can practice every day. And it's not isolated to those studying for who, or who have the DO credentials, but for anyone and seeing how these principles can grow and be utilized for the best health of ourselves, of our families, of our communities, of the world. And the acronym for this osteopathic life, all, what are we looking at, 19 letters, osteopathic itself having 11, which I appreciate. The human investment, serving our society through education, organization, and partnership, achieving true health, improving community, learning, and intention for everyone. And if I'm looking at all those things that I described that happened in the past year, I can see a lot of wins, a lot of successes, a lot of victories in that way. In ways I've reached out in the society, ways I've seen health expressed through partnership, certainly through the experience of community and seeing the value in that and seeing where that remains you know, through all that I, I've done developing and nurturing and honoring the value of community and health, I think still tops the list. And seeing where it's worked well, seeing where people still struggle and lack that sense of connectedness and support and identifying ways to continue to move forward in that way. So what's next? Continue to extend the conversation outside my usual circles. So that's part of the purpose of being in this health policy fellowship. I have lectures upcoming um, this next month that I hope will be a good opportunity to really expand the conversation. And I've learned that I can take chances and accept and understand failure as a lesson, as a redirection, and not to be just shut down by it. I'm learning that I need to get specific. So with the creation of the website and the proposal of event ideas, I want people to have a lot of choice and freedom and to have it their own way. And I do believe there is value in that. But I've also learned in the world of CrossFit that with 
workouts being prescribed and having coaches there to help tell you what to do and how to do it is beneficial for people because we have to make a lot of decisions in our daily lives. And sometimes we just want someone to tell us what to do and how to do it and give us feedback and to know that we made it through successfully what was prescribed for us. And I'm not suggesting that we should go back to a practice of medicine where it's just come in and I'm the boss and I'm going to tell you to do this and you follow the rules. But to listen for where we've reached decision fatigue and in what places people need more guidance and more direction to be able to just plug in and enjoy and appreciate. And so my steps for this next year to create some events that are already specific, invite people to participate in them, get feedback and make adjustments, but not rely on those participants to be the directors of the course. And in so doing, know the value of that experience and expect it for the benefit of those who participate and of myself. And through it all, to trust the story, to trust that the tale of health can't be told through all of this. And I mentioned one song already, and I'll leave it with two that came up for me today as we were having some of these discussions and how to move forward when it seems like there's so much to do that you're not going to do it all. So sometimes we do nothing, right? We just get trapped in the overwhelm. And for me, that's probably when I go on my phone. I'm never going to get it all done. So let me just take this checkout opportunity here. So to pause and to remember first to honor what has gone well right? In osteopathic medicine, we're saying we honor the health. What is well with you? You know, how is it working? When it's working well, why? And how do we capitalize and enhance and augment and emphasize that so we can learn from it and grow from it? And to remember that doing something is often better than nothing and having it done is better than perfect. So to give ourselves credit and to give ourselves grace and to trust that we can do something. And I referenced it in the water episode recently, but Frozen 2, it was good. The messages were good. And the song, Do the Next Right Thing, I think is very reflective of the state of affairs in osteopathic medicine, where it can feel like we've lost that light, that guiding path. It can feel like we're at the bottom of the cave, and what do we do to make our way out? And it seems like there's so many things that need to be addressed. But if we can stop and do the next right thing that we can do, we can start to make progress together. And the second one that comes up very frequently for me on the children's folk songs uh, track that I listen to with my daughter at bedtimes It's played by Jack Johnson. I think Ben Harper also gets credit for the song. I'd have to investigate who the original writer was. It was in my own two hands. And again, very applicable to the osteopathic profession. Our hands are our trademark of what we use to have an impact with patients. But just honoring that we can have a positive influence on the world around us 
simply by the work we can do with our own two hands, whatever that is for us, with whatever skills and strengths and opportunities that exist or the opportunities that we create through our own unique engagement with the world. So I'll close it here with a special thanks again to my musician, Rachel, who's worked with me all year on creating the opening and closing music for the listeners, those who have taken time to send feedback and for any who are listening and might be inspired to expand that circle of the osteopathic concept a little more and help move forward this cultural revolution grounded in love and humanity, seeking the best health of all things. This is Dr. Millie Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thanking you for listening for the end of season one and looking forward to where we might head in season two.